1: Hello, everybody. Today's guest is my old friend, Chad Gilbert, guitarist for the Coral Springs, Florida, pop punk band, Newfound Glory. Chad and I got down to brass tacks with their smash hit, My Friends Over You, taken from their breakout 2002 album, Sticks and Stones. The story behind the song on the surface is one of love gone awry, but as we dug deeper, the track is so much more than just that. Chad shared the story of how the song's main riff and overall idea was inspired by a trip to the movies. Amazingly, Chad recalled how the song was almost left on the cutting room floor, as the band didn't initially share the same enthusiasm for it that he did, and how producer Neil Avron was integral to putting not only My Friends Over You together, but the whole rest of the album as well. And, Chad told an amazing story of the song's bridge coming together in the 11th hour due to nature calling. For all this and much more, bust out that Hurley shirt and those cargo shorts. This is a good one. Hey, hey, have you heard? A podcast Hey, hey, have you heard Krista makes a podcast so much to talk about today uh the history with you is over 20 years deep at this point yeah it's it's crazy uh before we begin i want to congratulate you i heard you're going to be a dad soon having a daughter so excited so excited for you congratulations
2: thank you yeah baby girl I'm so pumped, man! I'm so excited.
1: That is absolutely amazing, and I am so just pumped for you.
2: I already own all the action figures, so hopefully she likes old GI Joes and Star Wars. <laughs> like, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> so yeah, Chad, I just you know again, congratulations! You're going to be an amazing dad, and uh, thank you. Kate, just super super happy for you. So. Chad, uh, again, like I said a moment ago, so much history. The song we're about to talk about, uh, "My Friends Over You," we actually mm-hmm. toured the previous record uh, <laughs> to this, yeah. and and this record. Of course, the previous record was uh, New Found Glory, the self titled album that came out on September twenty six two thousand, uh, and then the album that "My Friends Over You" came out two years later, June eleventh two thousand two. Uh, that was "Sticks and Stones," kind of, mm-hmm. kind of what I feel was really your breakout record.
2: Yeah, I think that was the one. Yeah, that was the one that really sort of pushed it over the edge where when we toured with you guys. Yeah. And for the record, for those of you that don't know, Lesson Jake, thank you. Lesson Jake is a huge part, you know, of our career and building our fan base. That was like, you know, we learned so much from you guys. And, and even besides that, just like those early tours, exposing us to your massive fan base. And it was just, you know, we were really, really lucky. So thank you for, for being our big bros.
1: Well, no, and thank you. And you guys were always our our little brothers. There was just this, this a lot of noise going on in South Florida. This Coral Springs band. Who are these? <laughs> who are these? Who are these guys? And then then we got to meet you. We just did this. Uh, I've talked about it on the podcast. Of course, I had Cyrus on, and I yeah, had, yeah. Uh, I had Chris Number Two from Anti Flag, and and of course we did that that uh, first tour, big tour, U.S. tour together with uh, you guys, Anti Flag, and the Teen Idols. and and it's just uh, one for the record books. We all had such a great time, and yes. just seeing you guys evolve um over the years has just been tremendous. I mentioned this in Cyrus's episode. I just think you're a better band now than you than you ever been at least live. I mean it's just you guys are an absolute powerhouse uh and uh I can't can't stress enough uh, and we'll get into this cuz there's some stuff I want to talk yeah. about uh, rhythmically in the song but how good of a drummer you have that guy's amazing. Oh
2: yeah, Cyrus. <laughs> yeah, He's, he's insane and I, I don't know if you mentioned this but Cyrus how he learned you know, to play our songs because, you know, he wasn't in the band for the first like eight months. Right. And we had a little EP and and he couldn't even practice on a real drum set. He learned the songs on his hands and knees in his room. So the when he tried out for our band, that was the first time he played those songs out. I don't know if you mentioned that. But, I
1: don't recall him mentioning that. Is inc- yeah. that's, an, that's an incredible story. And he's just gotten, every time I see him, he gets better and better. You can tell he just constantly works on his craft and his instrument. And that's just a a uh, beautiful thing to see. Uh, I remember this song hitting MTV, uh, <laughs> seeing you guys on TRL, uh, yeah. and then and then you guys really did something for us. You you did something that that very few, if any, bands. Uh, you're one of the only ones that that eclipsed us in commercial and, and audience popularity, and returned the favor by taking us out. You guys pushed really hard to get us on the Honda Civic tour in mm. 2003. It was you guys in Good Charlotte. Both your bands were just all over MTV. You guys were were swapping every night with those guys who who would who would close out the show and we were right before you. We had like the mm-hmm. best the best slot before the, you know, the, the the parents were coming to pick up the kids and take them home. We were playing to maximum full arenas and and yeah. that that tour did so much for us and I witnessed firsthand uh loved watching this song. I mean, Head-On Collision, there was all kinds of, of of stuff you'd play from this record on that tour and just seeing the audience go Go berserk for you guys, and um, you know we'll, we'll we'll get into the song now. It's it's you know it's interesting. I always bring this up on the show that a song can be long, but if it's a great song, it doesn't feel long. Yeah, and for a pop punk uh, song, three minutes and forty one seconds is on the on the. Uh, you know, the more is lengthy that, side.
2: Is that how long My Friends
1: Over You is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I three. didn't know it was that long. I thought it was like 240, <laughs> like 250. It's 340. <laughs> and, and, you know, and as I'm analyzing this, Chad and I, of course, I've heard of the song a ton over, over the years, but I uh, probably listened to it 30 times in the last two days. And as I really <laughs> got, in, got into the nuts and bolts of this song, I'm sitting there in a producer mind going, well, what could I take out of the song? And there's nothing yeah. I would take out, and that's that goes to great songwriting. But I was amazed too that it was 341. I was shocked.
2: That's crazy. That's really <laughs> funny. So, yeah, like My Friends Over You, that song was the song that d- it did not exist. The funniest thing is that that song is, you know, the one that pushed us over the edge at the time. You know, that was the song that, like, you know, we had hit or miss on our self titled record that had sure. some like MTV2 play and. You know, alternative radio specialty shows, but the label was looking for like that one song. And I think that, you know, My Friends Over You was that that one song. But the funny thing about it is that it wasn't even on the album. It almost wasn't the song.
1: Do you know how many times I hear that on this show? And that is so yeah. I, I I can't it, I can't tell you probably a half a dozen or, or more times I have heard that heard that exact thing. That I mean, how did you almost leave your biggest song off a record?
2: <laughs> my, my friends over you and the guys in the band will tell you, my friends over you was me winning a fight. <laughs> okay, they'll tell you that. So basically, uh, the 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 thing with that song. Six and Stones was done. We are living in Yorba Linda, California at these like apartments, Oakwoods, yeah. whatever they were, and making the record. Uh, we were writing the record. Our producer was down, and we had a bunch of demos and stuff, and our producer was down there working with us, Neil Avron, and we had all the songs. We were The songs were done. My Friends OVU didn't exist. It was the second to last day of pre-production. Lisa Warden Program director at K Rock came down to hear some demos, right? My friends over you did not exist. The song, believe it or not, that everyone was like, this is the song, this is the one, was the song on the album called It's Been a Summer. That song, It's Been a Summer, which is now like a later album track, was like the one everyone was like dissecting. Like, is this the, you know, the opening riff? The Everyone's like, this is the riff, you know, like everyone's really into it. And that was the one that everyone thought would be like, you know, the the first track. And Lisa Warden came down to hear the songs. We played her the songs, and then that night. We all went to see that movie, Orange County, mm-hmm. Jack Black and yeah. whatever, Hanks. What's his son? Uh, Colin Hanks, I think's in it. Yeah. My name is Sean Brumder, and I live in California in a place called Orange County. I was just another Orange County surfer, carving waves, playing volleyball. But there's more to life than extreme sports and partying. So we all go to see Orange County, like us, our manager, Rick. Kristen, um, who's still our manager, Lisa, and the whole band. Now I'm in line buying popcorn with Cyrus. Okay, <laughs> you know iPhones don't exist. You know nowadays when you're in a band and you know or songwriter and you're like out and about and you get a melody, you can sing it and record it in your phone. Yeah. So I didn't have that. I'm in line, standing next to Cyrus, and I start hearing in my head this riff i'm just just waiting you know tomorrow's the last day like album's done and i just start singing this riff in my head and cyrus is standing next to me i elbow cyrus cyrus sing this for me go in bum then so he starts singing that riff and i go i'm like dude and he's like probably thinking i'm crazy because i'm having them like you know beatbox out this <laughs> this riff that's awesome So, but here's the problem is that we're in line for popcorn so i'm not gonna have my guitar for at least like three to four hours you know because the movie and then to get home and hang sure. out whatever so the whole movie i'm not even you're paying. not there
1: you're i'm not, not there.
2: there my head is just i can't lose this riff i can't lose this riff you know can't lose this riff i can't all uh. So, get through the movie. I get home, go in my little Oakwood apartment. I pick up the guitar and I write the entire song. Well, not the bridge. I'll tell mm-hmm. you about the the bridge is is, is pretty funny. But I write the, you know, intro, verse, the chorus. And the funny thing too is like we just moved out there from South Florida, and I was I had a an old girlfriend I was on and off with who like hurt me like super bad. And it was like, you know, when at the time I was a teenager, you know, I was 17, like you can imagine whatever I was there, 18, whatever I was upset about, like, <laughs> you know? And it was that whole like teenager, I'm leaving home. Do I move back home after the record and we still date or do I stay in California and we break up, right? So I was going through that at, the, at, at that moment so the chorus came out like immediately i don't know how just like with that you know you are everything i wanted i can't finish what i started I'm moving to california and my friends over you is though you swear that you are true i'd still pick my band <laughs> over you <laughs> yeah because she was like trying to get back together you know at the time and i was like ah like i don't know like i'm really hurt i don't know how we're going to get through this you know and i really want to pursue my career but like you can't, no one can relate to that. You can't write like my band over you. Yeah. So I just changed it, you know. Obviously, it's my band, my friends. Just changed yeah. it, my friends over you. And the line was so simple and so like cheesy, but the the lines before it were so heartfelt mm-hmm. and real, you know, can't finish where I started. There's no room left here on my back. It was damaged long ago, though you swear that you're true. And then my friends over you. And that was sort of like. I think a lot of the premise with our band and why I think that that line and that chorus works so well is our band was always like, we want our music to, you know, like you guys, like make people feel good, have a good time, have fun. But we don't think our music is a joke. You know, we want to say something. We want to say something. So that line in itself was like, Hey, I'm hurt. Blah, 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 blah. You know, like, And then that line comes and it's like this sarcasm of like, oh, they're still newfound. You know? So, so I'm psyched. I'm like, I've got the chorus. This is so catchy. This came out so natural, Uh, the riff, everything. So the next day comes walk into the studio, guys, I got a song, got a chorus. I sing the chorus, play the riffs, you know, sing the whole thing. Uh, I sing the chorus, like the, you know, the melody, the lyrics, the, the, the hook, sing them the hook. And they're like, record's done.
1: <laughs> oh, I've I'm been like, there.
2: dude, I'm like, dude, <laughs> I'm like, I'm telling you this song is something. The song's like, no, we're done. We just had to work this blah, blah, blah. And like, just got like the biggest attitude, dude. And the guys will tell you, Ian didn't want to do it. You know, everyone's like, boo. You know, like that's lame. I don't want this. I'm like, trust me, trust me. Thank God for a producer.
1: And let me jump in real quick. The producer of the record, Neil Avron. Neil produced your your self titled record, and you brought him back for Sticks and Stones. And he, you know, if if anybody, and that's that's where a producer comes in. Okay, you yeah. Got the, you got the band crapping on your idea over here, and Neil comes in and goes, "Wait a second, I hear something."
2: Yeah, Neil says, "Wait a second, I hear something." And I think that I think looking back, I think there was just a lot of um, egos that were hurt because it was like, here's the riff, here's the melody, here's the you know the chorus, the lyrics to the chorus, here's the song, and it feels amazing. And I was at this place where I was like, you know, I had this in my head the night before, and I'm living with it all night making the song. So I came in there at a place of like on high, like it's one of those things where like. It just for some reason it just hits all those sweet spots, sure. like in you when you listen to it. And I came in and they yeah it just got crapped on.
1: No, that's that's interesting you say that I've had that happen because you think you know and I, and I've had it happen to me too where I think a record's done and Rogers brought a song and I'm like dude the record's done because in your mind you have all the songs and then you look back and reflect on it and go now he usually he was right we needed that extra song and in this case I mean. If I were to make a top five playlist of quintessential uh, late 90s, early 2000s pop punk tracks, uh, th- th- this would be in there. This song uh. just breathes, it just embodies that whole that whole era. Um, that's awesome. Thank I, you. I, I, I want to get into this. And, th- and by the way, that's a great story. And I think near the end of the writing sessions uh, going forward for every record you do, you need to stand in line with Cyrus for Popcorn. There's something magical yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. well,
2: there. It's, it's funny because it, you know, it ended up being the... It ended up being our thing. And Catalyst was the same way. Uh all downhill from here, I rode on the way to the studio the last day. That bam ba-na, bam 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 uh, same thing. I was driving in the studio. And and I think that what happens is that like there's all this pressure, you know, at the time, now I don't feel that. You know, because of our fans, I'm sure you're the same way. Because mm-hmm. of your fans now, you don't feel pressure anymore. I don't. But back then, you're younger, the record label. I remember, f- you know, feeling all this pressure. And then when the album's done, you lose all the pressure. So you then now get to be yourself.
1: And that's when lightning in a bottle happens.
2: That's when lightning in a bottle happens. Because, like, you're now not making music because of any other reason psychologically. And that's when it's like, boom. And and that happened with with All don't know From Here. And it happened with, um, I think... Uh, I think listen to your friends was the last song on not without a fight that we wrote just a lot of those like key newfound glory, like, songs we play on tour every night were like the last ones you know yeah
1: that 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 that's really cool well i want to jump into the song here uh we got an 11 second intro um <laughs> in, in in my notes i <laughs> you're laughing uh, we're, there's a lot of stuff in here i think you're gonna be laughing about that i pointed out 11 second intro it's that killer guitar riff that you're talking about it's just <laughs> so catchy and then you got what Thank i you. what i what i wrote down is the chugga chug which is the part you had cyrus beatbox it's just behind it I also wrote it's the jumping part because I just every time you guys play this live, it's just ten thousand a sea of people jumping <laughs> up and down. And I also wrote it's heavy as hell, but it's poppy. Mm. Cool. So yeah, we jump into the first verse here. I'm drunk off your kiss for another night in a row. This is becoming too routine for me, but I did not mean to lead you on. And then Chad, <laughs> this has never happened on the show. I've had okay. a question of where the pre-chorus starts. It's like does it start here or there? Like there could be in two different places but it's three for this one. Yeah. Okay. So this is where it gets interesting. The pre-chorus. Okay. Or actually the next set of lyrics leading up to the chorus is the same here as it is before the second chorus. And I'm going to read the lyrics real quick and I'll break down what I'm talking about. And it's all right to pretend that we still talk. It's just for show. Isn't it? It's my fault that it fell apart. Just maybe you need this. And I didn't mean to lead you on. Well, Certainly the a first verse and a second verse could be the same lyrically, but usually it's the pre-chorus that's the same lyrically. So does the pre-chorus start as and it's alright to pretend? Does it start right there or is that still part of the verse? Or does it start at it's my fault that it fell apart? Because that's where the drums go double time there. That, that's it. Or does it start on the line, just maybe you need this, and I didn't mean to lead you on. Where and does may- the pre-chorus start? And maybe you need this.
2: You'll know that by the third pre-chorus. Just maybe. Because the third pre-chorus is where we bring the song back down.
1: Right. And it's only half there. So I wrote in my notes, I said, is that a bridge or is that a third pre chorus? Third pre chorus. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what we're yeah. going to go with it. Okay. So, okay. So again, I'm going to reread this uh, and it's all right to pretend that we still talk. It's just for show, isn't it? It's my fault that it fell apart. That's all still part of the verse. Now we're in the pre-chorus. Just maybe, maybe
2: you need this. You need
1: this, and I didn't mean to lead you on. So this pre-chorus leading up to the chorus. The, you know, this part musically and lyrically was it pretty much the same from that initial demo you brought in, or did you you know kind of change it around with Neil when you got in the studio? Yeah.
2: So this is like I think where newfound. Even though I bring in a riff or I bring in a song, I think that's like the beauty of the band. Is that's when it goes to I guess the chopping block. Once everyone agrees, like okay, <laughs> uh, okay, like we accept this song, it then goes <laughs> to the chopping block. Which yeah, this is when everyone now chimes in ideas. Everyone adds their parts. Everyone like sort of dissects it. You know, um, you'd be surprised that like I, you know like with with Cyrus was on here. and He's talking about hit or miss. A lot of bands do have one songwriter, but the cool thing I think that's always about and when I mean one songwriters, there's maybe a, a songwriter where the idea starts, right? That's what I mean. Is like There's bands with tons of songwriters in the band, mm-hmm. but the idea usually starts from one place. It just has to. Everyone can't just think of the same thing at the same time. But what's really cool about our band is the sort of chopping block that, that happens, where Ian, you wouldn't believe the, the weird transitions that Ian comes up with.
1: Well, and you that guy I mean? doesn't give but, himself credit, and you he know does that. It. He, down, he, does he downplays it. himself as a bass player, and and you know he, it drives
2: just, me crazy, dude, because yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like really, really great, and you know the transition he comes up with Cyrus, obviously, like, like you talked about his playing, sure, um, and, and Jordan, and just the the whole thing. So at this point in time, especially in the song, yeah, this is when we took that riff, the den dun dun, dun it made it the verse, and then this is the part where we start building the song you know so this pre-chorus like again i think lyrically what i love about it is that you know just maybe you need this you need this and i didn't mean to lead you on if you're looking at where we were by the way i'm speaking about when we were teenagers so anything that i say about us being teenagers (laughs) at this point is invalid because we are just you know, teenage boys, not really knowing what any, anything about relationships were, you know, so no relationship advice here. But um, that was your
1: reality. That's what you were living. That was our reality. You, you, know, you, you, you were only as old as you were.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for us, like you can say that pre-chorus and maybe you need this, you need this, didn't mean to lead you on. Being a kid in South Florida, getting signed to a major label, trying to have a real relationship because you genuinely love the person. You know, you feel that, you know, you feel this relationship and then going, oh, no, I got to go do this band, (laughs) Uh you know, so it's that whole like I was there in this relationship present with you, but now I just got signed by MCA and they're telling us that they're going to pay for us to live in San Diego, make a major label record again, and it's going to do really well. So, well, and we all,
1: and we always, uh... we always think of what we're going through emotionally, but I'm assuming your girlfriend was around the same age. Think of what that would do to you. Like if you were dating someone like, Hey, I got signed by a major, I'm moving to San Diego. Like I I couldn't handle that as a young person. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's mind boggling. It's mind boggling. I
2: know. I know. I mean, you're, you're totally right.
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW report were by law. See terms and conditions 18+. And
2: I think that's what lyrically like that pre-chorus is. And I think also what's great about, you know, the verse lyrics and I think what's even what's great about the pre-chorus lyrics Is again it's tying that my friends over you line, like we were talking about the I'm drunk off your kiss for another night in a row. That whole verse paints such a great picture. It makes the chorus okay.
1: Well, and and, I and I wanna talk about this chorus. We're at the forty one second mark, which is pretty pretty quick. We're into the chorus. This chorus is interesting because I fight this as a songwriter and I've had other people re- recently on the podcast that have talked about this. They've said, man, I wonder if there's too much information here because a lot of choruses are the same refrain hitting you over and over again. We are the champions, you know? Yeah. Uh, and 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 there's a lot of information here and I'm going to read these lyrics and, and uh, <laughs> the lyrics in the chorus were, you were everything I wanted, but I just can't finish what I've started. There's no room left here on my back. It was damaged long ago.
2: Stabbed so you- in the back. <laughs>
1: <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> though, though you swear that you are true, I still pick my friends over you. My friends over you. And was there ever the thought of, and first of all, was this the initial lyric that you came up with? And was there ever a thought from Neil, the guys in the band, or anybody else or yourself thinking, man, there might be too much information here?
2: You know, it's funny you mentioned that because even listening to it, there isn't really even like rhymey stuff in there either. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah.
2: No, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't remember ever – you know, when bringing that into the group, I don't, I don't ever, besides no one
1: wanting to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, with, with what you just said, that the rhyming thing on paper and what you just said, this shouldn't work, but yeah. I can't, I can't imagine this chorus just being my friends over you, my friends over you, my yeah, friends no. over you, you know, it, it, it mm. has to be this, but yeah. uh, there's a lot of information here. And for this to work as a chorus, uh, it, it, it works beautifully.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I just don't, it just all came out like that chorus like the you were everything i wanted and and it just the way it hits on the note you know the one just yeah you, it just jumps in if you think if it came in on the end you were you know or anything (laughs) like that like it just right on the d yeah you know the rhythm the push of the drums and also i think what we've always been and i think this comes from the hardcore hardcore background too um for rhythmically is dynamic Mm -hmm. you know if you listen to newfound songs and that comes from like you know growing up listening to different like you know, nineties hardcore bands is that, you know, the riffs are really important because in hardcore, there isn't melody. You can't rely on melody.
1: The riffs are the melody.
2: The riffs are the melody and the rhythms are the catchiness. So for, for me, like playing guitar, I love that aspect. So I think what you get is you're also getting the relief and the release of the beat just becoming. "Mm -hmm." So subconsciously, it also rhythmically feels sweeter and better than, you know, and right before it, so you finally get the, Mm -hmm. so I think like that, that with the chorus too, is, is you get all these, you know, uh, uh, you get a verse that's more lyrics, you know, I'm drunk of your kiss another night in the world. This is becoming too routine. It's more wordy. And then, pre-chorus is really tight maybe and then finally that you just yeah
1: you're 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 in the pop punk part but yeah you, you, Yeah. (laughs) you, you guys have uh our riffy that's part of your part of your thing and and if it wasn't there uh, dare I say that the songs wouldn't be as catchy? That you have to have that. A lot yeah, of that they... is, uh, is, and I'm gonna toot his horn again. Is, is just the grooves. That's the riffs that you write, but it's also Cyrus, and it's just, yeah. the, it's the feel. It's the. Oh, feel. And I call, I call it the jumping part. You, it's almost every song you guys have that that jumping happens, and it's such a great thing. Um, we get out of the first chorus and we go right back to the reintro. It's the same mm-hmm. length as the top. It, it needs to be there. It's the hook, man. It's so catchy. We get into verse two and read these lyrics through the pre-chorus.
2: Please tell me everything. I love
1: it. I love it. Thanks for doing that for me, Chad. I've heard uh, it a couple times. A couple. Please tell me everything that you think that I should know about all the plans you made when I was nowhere to be found. And it's all right to forget that we still talk. On this line, we still talk. There's a harmony this time on that line.
2: that's something that Neil Avron taught us, man. Neil Avron is the guy and it made Cyrus and Jordan a harmony addict. So for me, I'm like, all right, guys, just remember what Neil did. He didn't mm-hmm. do it everywhere. Cause I, like,
1: no, it's, it's, it's that sugar effect. I, uh, you know, that, that it, it's that little added, uh, uh, spice there on that second, well, yeah. uh, second verse. It's great.
2: Yeah. Thanks. And I think that that's, that was totally what Neil taught us is that, You know, now you you really do hear bands. Now there's harmonies over every word. And again, I think what it does is it loses again, the dynamic. And I think there's something we try to do production wise is just like on that is none of the words are harmonized. And then all of a sudden you get that, that we still talk and it makes, it makes you pay attention to that line more and makes that line more important than the line before, just with that one harmony. And you it's know no I mean? longer
1: it's no longer the same as the first verse it differentiates yeah. it yeah and it, and it and it builds the song um, it's just for fun isn't it it's my fault that it fell apart on that line the drums go double time again um, and then I don't know if it's cuz maybe or is it just maybe it sounds like just to me but every lyric I I pulled up on Google says uh, cuz maybe it fell apart.
2: I think that's one of the things that, get lo- get, that gets lost in the vortex of touring. There are songs we revisit, and we're like, wait, that's the word? Why are yeah. we singing it like this live <laughs> for 20 years? So at this point, it's whatever you want it to be. That's,
1: it's, that's- it's funny. I hate it when the super fans come after this. They're like, you know, you sang the first verse for the second verse in this song. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I know. <laughs> so we get into uh, the back half uh, of this verse. Actually, we're in the pre-chorus. Excuse me. Just maybe. And I love the next three lines. It has the echo. Just maybe. Just maybe. Maybe. You need this. You need this. And I didn't. And I didn't. I call it the call and response. Was that a Neil Avron thing or was that Jay Baumgartner who mixed it? Did he do that mixing? Do you remember? That was Neil for sure.
2: I yeah, love Jay. Yeah, Jay's the, Jay was awesome. Um, but yeah, that's definitely definitely Neil and
1: a lot of times the mixer will do that though. They'll they'll put sure. a, they'll put an echo or a delay on yep. something.
2: Tom L- Lord did that a ton on our coming home record. Mm-hmm. I think like when we got that back from him, there was a lot of stuff that he changed, which you wouldn't expect a mixer to do. Um, that was awesome, and we're like, great, great idea. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah that that that's really cool.
2: That call and response thing definitely was was more of like. Hey, we have this song and it has a lot of reoccurring parts. You know, like you were talking about the reintro, the verse. So as the listener keeps listening through the song and gets to that riff again, what can we do to it that makes it more exciting than the time they heard it before?
1: That's sure. It. I love the line uh mean to before you say lead you on, that sets up the yeah. second chorus because there's a harmony on that line too, on mean to mean too. too. just another little sweet spot there that that differentiates. And I always love that in in songwriting, just those little things. It doesn't seem like much, but if it wasn't there, it it would just, you know, really change the song for me. We get into chorus, too. I'm going to read the lyrics again. You were everything I wanted, but I just can't finish what I started. There's no room left here on my back. It was damaged long ago. Though you swear that you are true, I still pick my friends over you. My friends over you. And here's where it gets interesting. Here's where I'm considering that the bridge. There's this huge vocal swell, which mm-hmm. you know, you guys really Jordan was your vocalist. You had these little moments of, of vocals, but you were never a, a huge harmony band. Whose idea was this? It's really neat, this vocal swell.
2: I can't fully remember, but definitely Jordan and Cyrus like ever since we did the first record with Neil, like self-titled, they definitely love putting harmonies and ideas over, (laughs) or like over a lot of parts. So I could honestly like hear Jordan just go, "Ah," and us being like, what are you doing, Jordan? And then like building that that's like stuff that Jordan would do, but I don't, I can't fully remember if that was the case.
1: Well, uh, again, this is, this works. I can't imagine this part being anything, but this part is strange because it does this vocal swell that up to this point in your guys' career. And I, I can't really recall anything else you did after that was this part's very different. This vocal swell that comes into what I'm calling the mosh park breakdown. This yes. riff just clobbers you, man. And <laughs> and the, the, the drums go <laughs> halftime. And again, <laughs> It's not the same feel as the beginning of the song or the re-intro or the end of the, the outro of the song. This is yet a different feel that you guys bring. And again, the audience is just up and down for this part. It is so mm-hmm. good. Uh, this is uh, 12 seconds long, this part, but it's it's... It doesn't see. It's not too long, but it's 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 the perfect length. And then it goes into another vocal part. It's this vocal yeah. ah thing that happens. Oh, that yeah. The ah uh, yeah. Uh. Again, you, you had the vocal swell into the mosh breakdown part. Now into this ah, ah part. Was, was this again? Neil coming to the table yeah. with this idea?
2: Yeah, I think just us like. Once everyone uh, accepted the song yeah. <laughs> and, and it was tracked, I think everyone started to go, oh, okay. You know, everyone started to hear and feel the magic of the song. So it definitely got a lot of like when we started actually tracking it and towards its end. you know, towards its completion. It got a lot of, a a lot of love, a lot of listening back and figuring out ways to
1: build it. I love that that riff is bookended by these pretty simple parts. There's not much going on in that vocal swell and there's not much going on in the Oz, but it's perfect that 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 riff's contained in between those two things.
2: Yeah, it ties it together. If it was just, if without that, it, it still would have worked, but it wouldn't have, I, I guess, blended. Cause that's the thing. There's sometimes where you can hear a band just throw in a riff to be, you know, the mosh or the breakdown. And it just feels a little bit out of place. Forced. And, yeah. It feels forced. And I think those, those harmonies and, and the, the vocal swells just, you know, keep it in that, that sort of bright range, you know, C- kind of like how you said the intro riff is like really poppy, but you can tell it's influenced by hardcore. Yeah. Same thing. It just kind of, it, it kind of throws that New fun Glory like sparkle on it, so it keeps it, you know, keeps yeah. it
1: whatever. well, and, and I love the next part and thanks for clearing it up. This is definitely a pre-chorus. Well, uh,
2: I, I was going to and- tell you too uh, about that breakdown riff that's yeah, kind of yeah. funny, the mosh riff, is that when we were in pre-production, we were working on it. We didn't really have a bridge and everything like just didn't work. Like we, we had the rest of the song, we didn't really have the bridge and Everyone was like trying things and it just got to that really overwhelming feeling of just being lost. Like, all right, we can't figure out what to put here that yeah. works. And I remember everyone just, and it sort of started getting, it, it, it got a little scary for me in the sense of like, it felt that the train was going off the rails. Mm. Once, once you hit a semi wall, everyone now starts to doubt. They don't go. How do we make this work? They go, "Oh, it's not working, so it does must not be right."
1: Yeah, that's that's I've been there. That's sketchy.
2: So yeah, and it sucks. So the train started going off the rails. Couldn't figure out the bridge. Everyone was just you know just like throwing ideas out there, clashing, and it just wasn't working. And then I had to take a dump. <laughs> <clears throat> I took my guitar. I left the room, I used the bathroom, I wrote the riff sitting on the toilet, because I finally had some peace and quiet without everyone arguing or yelling or fighting.
1: Chad Gilbert, folks, songwriting 101, (laughs) popcorn and taking dumps. Yes. So I
2: got the riff, I sat there, and I was like, and I came back, and I goes, guys, I got it. I was like, you I know, love, my I, friend's over, dun, dun, dun. and they were like, you know, bounced and love the riff, and then that was it, so...
1: Yeah, I love that descending part right at the end too. <laughs> that descending part is, is of the riff is really, really crucial to setting up for the, for this next part. And and that's so cool that you that you wrote that riff like that because I know where you and the guys were at. Now all of a sudden, everyone's throwing spaghetti at the fridge, seeing what sticks. Ideas are just coming, and every, you're just scrambling, yeah. and you feel like you said, like the train's going off the tracks.
2: Yeah, you know, there's another yeah for sure. And you're like, you don't want to lose it, and you don't want it to. You don't want everyone to get in the headset that they're like. Oh, if it's not if it's not easy, then it's wrong. It's like yeah. no, that just means you gotta you know work a little bit harder.
1: Sure. And, t-
2: and use the bathroom. But <laughs> I-, I was gonna tell you another thing. A shout out, like uh, a little hidden thing that you would might notice now that I pointed out is my favorite Bad Religion song is Stranger Than Fiction. Oh yeah. So if you think about the end of the chorus, though, you swear that you are. That is my Stranger Than Fiction riff. I love Stranger Than Fiction. So that that riff at the end is a little nod for me.
1: That's awesome. That's probably my favorite Bad Religion song. Love it.
2: So that little... Is my little like... My little ode to stranger
1: than fiction. A little but- homage homage to Babylon. That's that's very cool. This next part coming out of the bridge, uh, going into that pre-chorus, I love this part. There's a it's just a single guitar with some feedback at at, at points coming in and out, and it just breaks everything down. Maybe
2: you need this.
0: You
1: need- know that chorus is coming. You know it, you know it, but it's perfect. And the lyric is just, uh just maybe you need this, you need this, and I didn't mean to lead you on. And now we're into a double chorus at the end. The The first uh, half of it is all the same lyrics. It gets into the second half and here's something happens on the first line. You were everything I wanted. And there's a call and response. Everything I wanted right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that off time some- one? Yeah. yeah, just something else that, that that's building there because you're doing a double chorus. Was that again uh, something that Neil uh, came up with? or thought
2: Yeah, yep. yeah, a little off time one. You know, because right. we we probably would have done it. You know, uh, yeah, we definitely would have done a different time one at the. You know, back then, yeah, that was definitely one of his off time little production things that
1: that we loved. And it gets to the end of the chorus with the last line. I still pick my friends over you, and it goes back into that reintro, which we haven't heard for a while now. In about two <laughs> minutes, and and, and 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 it just feels so good. And it's funny. If there was one point in the song when I was analyzing this, I'm like, you know what? They probably could have ended it on my friends over you. The song at that point's three minutes and thirty seconds, but you need that reintro. love the ending i'm a sucker for this it ends on the suspense chord it doesn't resolve back to d it ends on the g it, yep. leaves, it leaves it like a, dun, dun, dun. i i call it i call it the cliffhanger you know like and mm-hmm. and, and, and and i absolutely love that do you re, do you recall uh ever possibly saying you know what the song's done we did a double chorus or was the riff always there coming back in at the end
2: Oh, the, r- the riff was always there. We were like, awesome. how do we pull this back for the final button? Da-na-na-na-na. You know, the fu- the last hit, you know?
1: Right. So th- we, when the song was done and you're listening to it in the studio, it's pretty much put together. You're listening to playbacks. Before it even got to the mixing stages, did the guys kind of warm up at that point to, to the tune? Yes.
2: Yeah, 100%. I think once like, we tracked the drums and really started layering it, because again, there are there are some people that were really like pushing. It's been a summer, that do 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 and yeah, and now like you know, it's been a summer is a great song, but there are so many ones that rose above it,
1: you know. So here here's something real quick. Sorry to interrupt. I, I want to ask before I forget. You know, the record came out on June eleventh, two thousand two. Usually, the record is preceded by a single mm-hmm. that comes out before the record. My Friends Over You wasn't released till August 27th, 2002, about two and a half months after. Do you recall why?
2: Um, I think that records were released and promoted very differently back then.
1: And I know I know they were, but I I just, I still thought that the single would have come out sometime well, ar- around the record.
2: Well, at least, and, and look, I, I'll give this to much love to, there's a man that worked for our band. His name's Paul Reskin. He was our marketing director. And he saw us play before we got signed to MCA. He saw us play at Troubadour, and we sold out the Troubadour on "Nothing Gold Can Stay," um, yeah. which was a big thing at the time. You know, Huge. To, to be able to, do, <laughs> to yeah, to be able to do that on an indie small label and everything. Heck yeah! And they they saw us, and he's like, "I don't want to mess this up." That's what he said. He was like, "I don't want to mess up what's going on here." So we're we lucked out by having him in our career because what happened was. Is why major labels were signing these kind of bands and throwing everything at it right away. Paul would go, I don't want to release anything until you've had time to promote it on tour. And so I remember hit or miss. He goes, we don't want to we don't want to make a video until you've sold 20,000 records. And that and that's crazy, because usually it's we got to make a
1: video to sell twenty. back then the video was the vehicle to sell the records if if i recall correctly and don't remember don't ask me why i remember silly things and i didn't look this up but i believe you were on the warp tour 2002 yeah we were so yeah. you would have thought that the Warp Tour starts about June that you would have had the single, but it's interesting the the marketing thought that this gentleman came up with, and that you know I think it was the right call. You 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 already had the fan base, especially with what happened with the first you know I'm saying the first record, the the self titled record, mm-hmm. and what what happened with Hit or Miss, and then you're coming back with this album. You're already on the Warp Tour. You already got the, the the hardcore fans. Yeah. So it ma- it ma- it makes sense to let everything kind of come to a boil.
2: Yeah, that that was his thing. He didn't want to lead with all you know whatever with videos and all this stuff he he wanted it to the record to come out fans to talk about it and want to see the band so yeah he you know i think i think paul and anyone else that was a part of that decision but paul was definitely the spokesperson at mca that took our back all the time and really wanted to hold on to you know the newfound glory fan base
1: last thing i want to mention chad is is you know it's so crazy to think of listening to a song in the year 2000. If you went back 19 years before that, it was 1981. I believe that's around the time maybe you were born. Mm -hmm. And, uh,
2: (laughs) 81 baby. and,
1: And, and listening to songs from 1981 to 2000, it was a stark contrast and listening to this track, which is 19 years old now it only sounds dated to me because I know when it came out, this still sounds great. Sonically, man, that's you, just awesome. crank, you crank this thing up and it sounds great. And it only sounds dated because I know the time period. I lived it, you know, but this, this stands up with what's on the radio and what's current today. And I think that's uh that's testament to good songwriting. I think it's, it, it, it goes to show you how great Neil is and how great he was with gelling with you by this point.
2: That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Neil's, Neil's awesome and maybe it's because he's like now mixing all the biggest records in the world <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean so he's making our record sound uh, still relevant because he's making those records you know what i mean like people are getting yeah. used to hearing those albums so that's very um, cool but yeah thank you i i'm i'm psyched and i think too like i feel like that with lesson jake and in a lot of the bands that we tour with and then we know you know it's like i think one of the reasons is we don't live sort of jaded musical sort of lives, you know, like we, we listen to new bands, you know, we listen to new records. We constantly want to grow as musicians without sort of changing the heart of our bands. I feel like lesson Jake, we learned that from you guys, you know what I mean? And, you know, like you doing this podcast and, and, you know, us doing live streams and just staying, it's not about making people like sort of change to fit your band. It's like, we want to take what we do and try to, you know, meet you where you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. The same way we used to have to, I, I was thinking about, it, I'm like, we used to have to play basements that with the pipes broken, that smelled like trash. I, I don't mind playing a live stream. <laughs> like
1: that's yeah. Even, yeah. You know? it's a little, <laughs> l- l- little bit, a little bit easier.
2: <laughs> a little, exactly. So like, I'll meet you wherever you are. And, and, I mean, I'm going to be me, and we're going to be our bands. they are going to be than Jake. We're going to be Newfound Glory, but we'll go to these places and and we'll bring what we do to wherever. Yeah.
1: You no. Know? Well, uh, you mentioned the live stream as, as we're wrapping up here. I want you to leave the listeners what you got going on. I know Newfound Glory has done done a number of live streams. Yeah. That went in- incredibly well. What do you got lined up with the band going forward? If I'd like, like to share with the listeners.
2: Thanks. Yeah. Um. So the live stream thing has been really fun. The first one we had to do for the release of our album, because we wanted to do an album release show. So that was it. The second one was to celebrate self-titled 20-year anniversary. The third one we did um, a Christmas TV special, which you were a which part of. Yeah. <laughs> which was crazy.
1: Best Star. Which was the production value on that thing I, was amazing. You guys put <laughs> a lot of work and effort into that. It was one, seriously one of, the, one, one of, if not the best live show I've ever seen. Kudos <laughs> to you guys. It was great. Thank was you great. so
2: much. Thank you. Our acting debut.
1: No, it was awesome.
2: Thank you. And then um, we just announced one that's going to happen April 17th. Actually, it's May 8th. We're shooting it April 17th. It's called NFG Unplugged Total Request Live. So we've been doing all the MTV throwbacks because... That's cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, we've been doing these like YouTube acoustic videos. And fans have really been
1: loving them because we've. I've been, seen it. It's I, I saw Cyrus with a guitar. It blew my mind. It was yeah, so cool. Yeah, that's
2: awesome. Yeah, so we're like, because those have been doing well, we decided to do a full acoustic unplugged concert and to do the whole TRL throwback thing. We put up a website where you can vote on what songs you want us to re reimagine and redo. So that um, that's the next stream. So we're gonna film it in front of a live audience and then premiere it May eighth.
1: Well, congratulations on everything uh, with the band, with music, your career, and your personal life. With, with, with again with your uh, with your daughter. Uh, Thank you. I, I can't can't wait for her to uh, come into the world and for you to to, to hold her and experience that. It's pretty. Awesome. I
2: have a question for you. Yes, sir. When do we get to tour together again? Come on. I,
1: I as soon as all this nonsense is over and we can Come get on. back out there, man. Gosh, I just want it all. I think everybody wants it to be over and uh, I, I, I would love to, you know that we, we, uh, we would we, we, love to play with you guys anytime. Well, Hey man, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it, Chad.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Chris. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you and uh, people talk about your podcast all the time. So keep going.
1: Near the end of the show here's a band you might not know welcome to this week's band you might not know if you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to makes a podcast all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com this week's featured band is the softer side from Jacksonville Florida Less than Jake has some history with these guys. We've we've done a show together, and on the track we're about to preview, uh, Pete Mosley, the former bass player of Yellow Card, plays bass. The softer side consists of Tim on the drums, Brian on lead vocals and guitar, and Scott on the guitar. You can find their music on Bandcamp. Here's a snippet of their song, Love and Lust.
0: The world has been where, be frozen in place. where love and lust will take turn. Set me on fire and burn me the same way. Asleep with you by my side. As you...
1: The rap with Chris and Chris.
0: So once again, it's a story of the album was pretty much done. And here comes this song out of nowhere, a la Derek Wibbly. <laughs> or, you know, we've heard this a few times now. And what do you know? There's the biggest song on the album and one of the biggest songs of Newfound Glory's career.
1: Oh, it's 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 crazy. We've heard that a bunch on the show. You you just wonder how such a pivotal and important song of a band's career almost wound up on the cutting room floor. It's you can't even imagine it. It's really interesting, too, how. You know, if you're a true
0: songwriter, you're always writing songs, even if you're standing in the line for popcorn at the movies. (laughs) You get this thing in your head. And that's the great thing about having an iPhone now that you can run somewhere quiet and sing it into the phone so you don't forget it. But at the time he was writing this song, like he said doesn't have an iPhone or a pocket recorder or something. So he has to sit there and just drive himself crazy for hours to not forget that idea. Because as you and I probably both know, forgetting an idea, for me, it's a lot of times like I'll think of something, maybe it's from a dream or when you're in that twilight stage of of getting up and you have this idea, if you don't write it down or find some way to record it, it will be gone.
1: Yeah, no. and And it's funny when he was saying that, I honestly was trying to think back. To any guys in bands or anybody that I knew, they carried around a mini cassette player in their pocket. It just didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, my bandmate Steve did. My De- bandmate well, Steve had a well, Steve- <laughs> that, that little when it had a
0: little cassette tape inside of it. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I could see Steve doing that. Out of all the people that I know, he'd be be a good candidate for that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it. You're right. You you don't want to lose that. What what I referred to in the episode is that lightning in a bottle. You don't want to lose it. And it was interesting that Chad touched on the fact that and i know this from band dynamics and i don't use the word ego like anybody in my band particularly has any you know we as humans we all have a certain bit of ego and pride and here comes this song that chad in his heart just feels is great and the rest of the guys had everything to do with it was his idea his lyric and they they, they in their minds thought they were done with the record and they kind of just brushed the idea of no we don't want to do it and he had to fight for it and sometimes you have to fight for the song and look I, I said in the episode, it was a good thing that uh, that Neil Avron was the, uh, you know, the referee, so to speak, the the, the guy that's going to come in and, and say, no, this is, this is great. There has to be something
0: about that feeling of, I don't know, like the record's almost done, the pressure's off of like, which songs are going on? Do we have enough songs? We have too many songs. We need to narrow them down. And there's something cool about this. Wow. If I write something right now... It could be on our album forever, but there's no pressure of like, I have to write something that it's more or less, I don't know, there, there, there's something to that. I know we've had that experience one time that I can think of with my own band was this song called Battle Scars that Steve brought to the table late when we were recording our album Action, and then that ended up being one of our favorite songs. There's also this excitement about it being this new idea out of nowhere, I think, that could be a spark in the songwriting among everybody.
1: I, I can't recall one time that less than Jake ever in the 11th hour brought a song in that wasn't great. It just, at that point it wouldn't make the record. It just wouldn't make it. it, it and it happened on the last lesson Jake album, Silver Linings, the opening track of the record, High Cost of Low Living. We wrote it. Uh, we were about to break the drums down. We were done in the studio. And I was like, guys, we, you know, let's work on this, this riff I have. And we wrote it in five minutes. And it's just, it, it, as you said, you already have the record in the can. There's no pressure.
0: Matt Skiba's story about being in the studio and going out back for 15 minutes and writing radio is kind of similar to this too. It seemed like, yeah, that wasn't supposed to be on that album. That wasn't an idea that they came in there with. And after doing this podcast, man, I feel like all of my recording experiences from here on out, I'm always going to have that in mind, like, yo, is there one more song in us? <laughs> you yeah. Know, because it sounds like a lot of times those songs end up being the hits. Maybe it's because you're inspired just by the recording experience in itself.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember Tim from Rise Against in his episode talking about how, you know, he just kept chasing his tail on parts for the song and it just wasn't working, wasn't working. You start to doubt the track. And I've... I could totally relate to what Chad was saying with the bridge part of the song where he had to go excuse himself and use the bathroom because he needed to get away. All of a sudden now you got everyone. It's like, you know, the peanut gallery throwing ideas out. And there's also the the people saying, I don't know if this is working and they're starting to come down on the song and you need to step away sometimes. I think that was the, the greatest thing he could have done was uh, was was just step away collect his thoughts and come back with that part, which is such an integral, uh, integral part to the song.
0: Dude, I got to talk to you about one more thing I think is really funny that I couldn't help but think about when you were reading the lyrics to this song. Yeah. <laughs> well, in our group, someone named Marshall Dees posted a meme of... Adam Sandler as Longfellow Deeds in the movie Mr. Deeds, where in that movie, I don't know if you've seen the Mr. Deeds Adam Sandler movie, but in the movie, he plays a guy who writes greeting cards <laughs> and then he's like reading these greeting cards as like the poetry that they are.
2: It's called 50th anniversary card, which is quite a feat nowadays. 50 years have passed by with laughter and tears. Do you remember when we went to the zoo and that time we drank all the beers? <laughs> beers, oh yeah. I promise to love you for 50 years more, even when your bosoms sag down to the floor. <laughs>
0: And people thought it was really funny because it's kind of true. Like when you're reading people's lyrics to them, (laughs) and just kind of you know stating them to them. I know it always has
1: to be a weird experience for the people to hear their lyrics read back to them. I I I know it is because I've had people tell me that wow, this is really weird to hear these. And I also saw I actually (laughs) saw that post, and I know Marshall Dees, He's a friend of mine. (laughs) Uh, But it's it's funny because you know a lot of people were saying. I can't read lyrics. I have to start singing them. And it's funny, it almost happened to me today because I thought about that earlier today. It's funny you mentioned this. When I started singing or or, or reading the chorus lyrics, I wanted to sing them. You know, it just kind of naturally started to happen.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah. It is a strange thing because then lyrics that are sung become poetry more or less, which that, if they're great lyrics, they're going to work on a poetry level as well, I think.
1: Yeah, and I see some of the guests start to get like tied up because I'm looking at the lyrics in front of me. They've never heard their lyrics spoken only sung. So they're trying to get into the lyric in their head. Wait, is that what I say there? You know, it, it's got to be a weird thing. I've never had anybody read my lyrics back to me. That that has to be, uh, be different.
0: It has to be strange sometimes because a lot of times the way you're phrasing something goes along with a melody that if it's just read, it might not work at that same level. But there are people that can do both, man. There are people that can Uh, walk that line and balance of great poetry that also equals
1: great lyrics. And speaking of greatness, Chris, we're supporting a really great foundation for our May fundraiser at KristaMakesADifference.com.
0: That was a good segue, man. You must be taking notes from me.
1: (laughs) I certainly am. Uh, Our fundraiser for May is the CURE LGMD2I Foundation. Limb girdle muscular dystrophy type 2I is a progressively debilitating disease caused by weakness and muscle wasting in the shoulder and hip areas. Over time, this excessive muscle wasting can result in cardiovascular, respiratory, and overall physical complications. The Cure LGM-D2I Foundation provides funding for research programs to establish a treatment for this disease. And again, please head over to Christamakesadifference.com If you can uh, support this fundraiser monetarily, anything you can give, dollar to uh, $5, dollars 10 Every little bit helps, and uh, thanks to everybody who continues to give to our monthly fundraisers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you can head over to, Chris to makes a differencecom this is a fundraiser that is near and dear to me. I have a very good friend with LGM D2I, and so I have seen the effect that this has on people that have it. It's a rare disease and they're trying to fund research, uh, to find a cure for this debilitating disease. So if you can contribute a buck or two, uh, that would be awesome. Or more than that. Uh, it's Chris makes a difference.com.
1: Yes. And again, I want to thank you, uh, everybody again, for their generosity each month. It just astonishes Chris and I, how much, uh, how much you guys have been able to con- contribute and be so giving. So thank you very much. And, uh, what else, Chris? Uh, I have a book for sale still. Go to com if you'd like to pick that up. There's a couple brand new songs. Uh, the lead single's called Never Surrender. It's streaming right now, and you can go to Christamakesabook.com. That'll redirect you to the Smart Punk Records page. I got a couple of new merch items over there, a frisbee and some rolling papers for our for our smokers in the crowd.
0: Are you assuming that just because you play frisbee that you're smoking a joint. <laughs> is that an <laughs> assumption you're making?
1: Well I haven't played Frisbee in a while or, or smoked a joint in a while, but uh yeah, I like I could make that assumption. I could make that assumption. I guess that's I guess that's fair. That's fair.
0: And uh <laughs> yeah and thanks to everybody who is a part of our supporting cast program over at chrisdemakes.com. That is awesome. I mean, I don't know if I need to pitch this to you guys But for the price of buying us a cup of coffee each month, you support the podcast and you get bonus episodes and discounts on upcoming merch and some other surprises that we have planned in the very near future. That would be really awesome if you want to see this podcast continue in perpetuity
1: yes we uh we've been very lucky so far the 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 outpouring of love for you guys from you guys has been awesome and uh yeah thank you for for supporting the supporting cast our vip program we're going to continue to bring you as many cool things as we can if you head over to Krista makes uh, a podcast facebook group you can let us know what you'd like to see in the future for supporting cast we'd love to hear your feedback
0: I love the podcast Facebook group. It's like the best thing about Facebook, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> it's the only Facebook group I go to, Chris.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's great. So if you're not in there, come join us, come talk to us, uh, give us some feedback, and uh, it's fun.
1: I'd like to give a special thanks to this week's guest, Chad Gilbert. Please check out the Newfound Glory live stream on May 8th, and you can get your tickets at newfoundglory.com. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. So uh, yeah, it's always great catching up with Chad. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.